Hey everyone, I hope you've been enjoying the off-season content here so far. In today's episode, I've got an analytics beast, a beauty, Corey Schneider from all three zones. He's here with me to break down the different ways that he values players and predicts offense for these guys. This is the content we need to crush our enemies. You with me? I know you are. Come on. I'm excited about the conversation. Let's get to biz. This is Apples and Genos. You are listening to Cream of the Crop. Welcome in, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. This is Cream of the Crop, a fantasy hockey podcast. I'm your host, Blake Creamer. You can follow me over on X now. It's at Blake Creamer AG. Also, Apples and Genos. Uh, this is an Apples and Genos presentation. FYI, we got a Discord. We do that. Click the link in the description. Um, you can get in there and talk with like-minded fantasy managers. We're getting the biz on the regular, but you know this, all right? And also, uh, while I got you, I got to ask you again, you've, you've all been doing some amazing work. Please go and rate the pod. You know, again, we're not going to tell you what to do, but I think you know what to do, all right? You get in there and you click on the five stars and you do it now, all right? That helps uh, us get this out to as many people as possible so we can crush our enemies and hurt their feelings, all right? That's how we do. But in today's show, I have a very special guest. And uh, I'm a big fan of this man's work and his musical tastes. It's Corey Schneider from All Three Zones. Corey, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. My man, thank you so much for making time. I really appreciate that. Um, buddy, how's your summer been going? It's been pretty busy. Like, uh, we, have a, we have a baby on the way at the end of August. So, <laughs> happening pretty soon. A lot of work to kind of get ready for that. And I've been doing a lot of work on the back end of my website this summer, too, just to kind of make all of my data a little easier to find, easier to digest, and easier to kind of present. So, so, yeah, I've been keeping myself busy. Buddy, that's awesome. Congratulations to you and the family there. Uh, enjoy the quiet time, my man. Oh, my God. All right. Just cherish this this quiet time because it's going to get a little louder in your life uh, for the next little bit. But that's, uh, that's okay. Yeah, I'm man. prepared for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's why I have those big orange earplugs. You just pop those in. You're good to go. All right. Um, no, don't do that. Actually, it's kind of funny story. Um, you know, with our first, uh, I've got two kids myself. So with our first baby, I remember we have the baby monitor and, you know, we're, once we get the baby into the other room, now my wife and I are just looking at this thing constantly, every little sound, we're analyzing it. And then with the second baby, literally my wife like turns it down now. Like <laughs> just, you hear a noise, you're like, yeah, oh. she, she just starts clicking the button down. We're like, eh, it's, you know, first to second, a little different, but uh, you know. It's a good time. All right, buddy. Well, um, yeah, I've got you on here because, uh, like I said, I'm just a big fan of the work you do there on all three zones. And I want to talk about that a little bit. But, um, Corey, for our listeners who might not know, can you just tell us a little bit about all three zones and how it came about? Yeah, so this kind of started from me tracking scoring chances like in 2011 or however long ago it was. And basically a lot – all we had to work with back then was just shot attempts, like on-ice shot attempts. And you had to kind of really dig to find that data, too, if you wanted to dive into some of the more advanced metrics metrics of the game to kind of see the – just see the why behind hockey. Right. And why things happen and get more explanations, like, of what drives success aside from just goals and points and plus minus and all that. But it was just a different way to look at the game, and there was a lot of people into it. But – there's also people that are like, there's a lot more we can do with stuff the league doesn't provide. And that's when like tracking zone entries and zone exits, scoring chances and all of this kind of came about. Passes was a big one from Brian Stimson. That's probably the one that's carried over the most into what I do now. But uh, basically what I do is I kind of try, I try to look at more of the details of what drives results in hockey. Like, why is a player good? Why is he good defensively? Why? What's he doing that's driving his line? Is he good at zone entries? Is he good at zone exits? Is he good at kind of, is the defenseman good at kind of preventing scoring chances off zone entries? That kind of thing. Just so 
it's a different way to look at the game, provide more details. And it's a way that a lot of people can kind of understand, like you don't really have to be like a systems or a hockey expert to really get to really like explain this kind of stuff. But it's like a nice middle ground between like, between like the X's and O's and like the statistical analysis. So that's kind of my goal with this to kind of like bridge the gap between just bridging the gap between stats. And I don't want to say the eye test, but just like things the common fan looks at. Yeah, buddy, I love that. And that I, I just resonate with that a lot, just making something palatable, right? Because this information to me, like the micro stats that you track and just advanced analytics in general, that's valuable stuff. That's really valuable stuff. But yeah, sometimes people, their their eyes can glaze over, you know, if you start getting into this stuff, like, and and something I think that you do really well is, yeah, you make it palatable, right? It's something that, like you said, a casual fan could look at and be like, oh, okay, yeah, I, I understand this. Like, and I am, you know, like when I first started looking at it, like, it, yeah, I could sort of have an idea. And then once you delve in more, then it's kind of how much effort you put into it. Like that's how much you can get out because you can get that lost down a rabbit hole in this stuff, can't you? Yeah, you definitely can. It's really easy to get lost in the details too, because especially like the last uh, month or so, I've been doing player profiles for McKean's Hockey. So I have like eight teams and 10 players or 12 players each to write about on them. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot you can really get into because like, especially with the data I track, because there's so much data that goes into like what I do and so much that goes into like what drives a player's results. But you can't really explain everything. I mean, you only have like 200 words to explain it to. It gets pretty <laughs> difficult. So my goal is to kind of my goal is kind of making like data driven scouting reports almost like at the NHL level. And that's kind of. I feel like I've gotten to a good point with it, but I'm always at the point where it's like, oh, there's more I can do to make this better or, or easier to kind of easier to digest for people. Like I try to use as little like jargon as possible. I try to put it in like simple terms. So like just the normal fans scrolling on Twitter can understand or X or whatever it's going to be called tomorrow. God, X, what the hell? Oh man. So sidebar. What, what a stupid name. What are we yeah. doing? Oh my God. Oh, you don't look happy. He's been using brand X. This doesn't sound good, but I guess if you think about Twitter as well, like what was that? Twitter? Birds, yeah. Eating? What? Who, who let this go? You know, I don't know. Yeah, the word tweet kind of just rolls off the tongue though, like as a verb. We're used to it now, right? Yeah. What do you what do you do? I guess you post on X. Oh god, that sounds terrible. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not used to it. I don't like it. Don't approve of this, but that's fine. Um, one thing I did want to ask you, Corey. So in you said tracking these microstats, you physically like you you literally look at the games and track it yourselves. Is that what is that right? Yeah, I track using I, I track using a few spreadsheets and uh just watching the games on well, I guess on ESPN Plus now it used to be Game Center, then it was NHL Live. Right. So uh, I, I can't, I don't track every game. I can't track every game. But if I want, what I do to kind of like cut down on time is I just kind of log the shots beforehand just to see where things are happening in the game, just to get the most important stats in there first. That allows me to do more games. And if I'm doing like a full 82 game sample of a team, I usually just or if I want to do like a full season, sometimes I'll just kind of narrow down a couple stats, like two or three. Like uh, I, I recently presented at a conference in Seattle and this, what I did for there was just goals. And I looked at like the context behind the goals. Like they have, did they happen off the rush? Did they happen off a four check? How did the rush start? Did it start from the defensive zone, the neutral zone off a turnover? So like I basically tried to get as detailed as i can in as much time as i can and i kind of try to find ways to do that just so i'm not spending like 20 hours a day in front of my computer yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely and that time is that time window may, might like squish a little bit for the next little bit too buddy yeah <laughs> so it sounds like a good thing to that you've gotten good at here. Um, one thing I did want to mention again, something else that resonated is just uh, something that you wrote recently just and said here is that just understanding the why behind the data and what and what the players are good at. And I'm a really uh, the type of person that needs to understand why I was like, you know, when I was in school, I was that kid, like just pissing off my parents, my teachers, just why, why, why? And uh, yeah, it's, I, I'm wondering if you were that way as well, like just kind of need to get to the, to a granular level on this stuff and kind of see what's what. 
Yeah, that's kind of how I've always been, especially like just the statistics and just facts and stuff. That's kind of what I've always been into. I don't know. It's like a special interest I've always had, but I always wanted to learn more just about something I'm very interested in and to kind of like, it's like, I don't, I, I'm at the point where I don't like feel like I need to know or have an answer for everything, but I want to have an idea of what I'm talking about. But I'm always like wanting to learn more just so I can like, I don't know, like if it's something I'm really interested in or something that's like relates to my job, especially like I want to learn as much as possible so I can kind of be as prepared to answer a question or just uh, have like fun data to share with people, just things that people are interested in. Like the whole reason like I kind of started doing this and like and kind of took off is because there were other people interested in it and people that wanted to know more. And there are people that are doing cool things with like the data that I was creating. So that that was so that was pretty cool to see so that I can like take a backseat and focus on collecting the data rather than trying to do everything with it. And then other people can kind of branch off of it. Yeah. So, kind of taking yeah. a life of its own. Hey, yeah, buddy. Thank you for your service. This is good stuff. All right. I love this stuff. Um, yeah. For me, I, I really believe like if you're serious about hockey and fantasy hockey in general, like we, we got to get down to this granular level and sort of truly understand what's happening here. And I think personally, all three zones is the most comprehensive thing that I've seen so far doing that. So I'm grateful to have you here to map some of that out. Now we got to get the biz. All right. I've yammered on long enough. I do that. Uh, but I want to get in some of these questions. Um, first off, um, how, how, Corey, how would you compare the analytic community in hockey to some of the other major sports? Because um, just in my own experience, like I, I follow fantasy basketball a lot as well. And it just seems like there's so many more people kind of doing this type of work that you're doing. How, how has that journey sort of been in hockey analytics and where, where is it now? Yeah, like it's a lot different than a lot. Like I feel like when I'm like the most comparable to maybe is pro football focus because that's kind of where I started getting an interest in like charting games and such because like with pro football focus what they do is basically they chart everything that happens in a in a football game like just quarterback pressures quarterback pressures coverage stats and all that because like defensive stats were very hard defensive stats and offensive line play were very hard to kind of judge unless you really knew what you were looking at Right. And they kind of provide a way for just the common fan to kind of show just to have like an idea of what they're talking about as far as like offensive line play, just have something to go off of. And like, it's not perfect. They've been criticized a lot for kind of not tracking or not knowing a lot of the nuances or what the system is in football. But at the same time, it's a starting point for like fans to get into because then you can kind of dive into it more because like, I don't know, not every fan wants to be a, not every fan is like, going to be a video coach or qualified to be a video coach or really right. needs to be qualified <laughs> for a video to be a video coach but if they're interested in kind of talking about sports more and learning more about it that was a good entry point into it and that's kind of what i wanted to do with uh with this because there's more there are companies that do what i do but it's all paywalled and i think only broadcasts have it really or just like i think some publications have it too right so i want i want it to be more for like the just the normal fan just so it's like i don't know you don't have to pay like 500 dollars a year to access it because i feel like it got very things got really propri proprietary the last few years but there are there is a lot more there's a lot better data using like the using the nhl play-by-play -play available now like with hockey biz and evolving wild they do a really great job in kind of breaking things down and I use those two to kind of like check my own analysis or my own stats with my with the players that I track just to see like how they compare what they're where or like where a starting point is. Yep. And uh, I just feel like there's a lot more now and it's starting to kind of we're starting to weed out like what matters and what doesn't. Yeah, I, I just, hockey is so fast. It's so damn fast. Like I think about that sometimes because I, I do kind of a not a dumbed down version, but there are different statistics that I look at, like rate stats, you know, from natural stat trick when I'm trying yeah. to value players. Um, 
but I still, uh, sometimes I'll just think like, yeah, these guys are going a million miles an hour, you know, skating on ice. They're like these 200 pound dudes shooting the puck, like a hundred miles an hour. And we're like analyzing the statistics. Like it's, it's interesting to me. It's like, you know, basketball is, is a little different. Like you, the, I don't know, it's just not as fast. So sometimes I think about that with hockey and maybe, you know, one of the reasons why it's taken a little while to get to this kind of level that we're, that we're at now with hockey analytics. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think we're starting to kind of like when I first started getting into this, it was a lot about territorial play, like who's in the offensive zone more. And now we're starting to get more into like who's being the most efficient in the offensive zone, like with setting up, setting up plays and creating space and all of that, because it used to be like, I feel like there's a lot of levels to it because like first it was offense. First, it was like who's spending the most time in the offensive zone. Then it was who's creating shots closer to the net in the offensive zone. Now it's more about who's creating space in the offensive zone and who's getting more dangerous opportunities like off the rush. So I I think we're at a pretty good starting point now as far as I mean, we're at a pretty good point now as far as knowing like what to look for. But breaking it down at the individual level is tough because like a defenseman, like a defenseman might like give up a rush chance from allowing like a forward to enter the zone, but it might not be his fault because because his partner could have pinched. And yep. like left them out to dry or like a forward missed an assignment or something like when you get to when you start to get down to the op- offensive zone play, especially like cycles and defend uh, defensive systems and how teams defend. That's when that's when it gets really difficult to kind of like great players, especially like I thought about doing that, but it was kind of it was very subjective because I don't know what the players assigned to do. I can make my own assumptions on it, but I may be totally off is the thing yeah so and that's that's kind of the tough part just like assigning kind of grades or assigning grades or like assigning individual value to one player for doing something is the tough part when you get to the more granular details like when you get to shots created and such like that's a little more black and white but uh and especially with zone entry too, that's a lot more black and white uh, as far as like judging what a player's skill is but when you start judging like the super granular granular stuff yeah that's when yeah. it's a lot more complicated because there's a lot of moving parts there yeah there's just so many variables there and uh, the way i sort of look at analytics it just it, for me personally is it's just like putting things on my side you know what i mean it's like you take it with a grain of salt like here's this information and like if there's enough of it it's kind of like you ha- you just have a better idea right but again the variables like you don't know if a player pinched or if like a guy's sick or if he's been fighting an injury for like you know the entire season like you, we just don't know these things as as you know hockey fans and just uh observers so but that's why i love this stuff i want to put as many things on my side and our listener's side as well just so we can win some fantasy hockey right win some money because mm-hmm. that's all yeah. that's important right am i right Corey? come on yeah that's true that's a lot, uh, a lot of uh, it's about fantasy uh, hockey betting and everything <laughs> Sure. Yeah, actually, I do it for the glory. I don't do it for the money. All right. Uh, didn't win one league last year, by the way. I have a fantasy hockey pod. Didn't win one league. I placed third five times in five leagues. That's insane. I don't know what's going on. All right. I needed to get more into all three zones. I think that was my issue. <laughs> Not going to do that again. All right. Next question, buddy. Um, so with with all this work that you've done with all three zones, um, what are some of the biggest trends that you've seen when it comes to valuing players um, offensively? Right. Because fantasy pod, obviously, offense is key for us. That's what we're looking for. Um, yeah. Well, what are what are some of the bigger trends? Like, what do you find is most predictive for offensive performance? Yeah. So I would say there's a there's four stats that I always look at as far as seeing if a player is going to break out or maintain like a level of play. Like the first one is obviously shot and, shots and scoring chances. Like if a player is creating scoring chances, especially with like how I judge scoring chances is a little more like I, I wouldn't say it's a little more objective than like what the league is. Cause like the league can sometimes screw up like who's getting a shot and they overcount rebounds a lot. So what I, so if a player is consistently creating scoring chances is a good chance. They're going to continue to do that. If they're setting up scoring chances is another big one. Setting up shots, setting up, setting up shots is usually good, but every once in a while you'll, you'll have a player like, just very cook and yummy that sense of a lot of point shots and a lot of non-dangerous shots that and kind of and he'll kind of have a lower ceiling than somebody that sets up more scoring chances right. like a jordan Cairo or somebody like that whereas and uh the other big one that i only start i started tracking this in 2020 
And uh, it was kind of just adding a new layer to zone entries. It was zone entries leading to scoring chances and especially controlled entries leading to scoring chances means you'll have a means a player has a pretty high ceiling and a pretty high. Well, I, I wouldn't say a high ceiling, but he's going to have a pretty high floor because he's going to create a lot of quick strike offense. That's usually pretty tough to defend. It doesn't mean he's going to be a great player, but it means he has a pretty good chance of at least producing at a decent level. Like uh, Jacob Verano is a really good example of that. And he's been kind of bouncing around the league. He hasn't stayed healthy, but he's usually one of the better players in the league at creating those types of scoring chances. So like, it's pretty easy like to see those two because like sometimes it could be a little more complex, like with a player kind of weaving through a player weaving through the neutral zone or kind of setting up a pretty complicated passing play. But a lot of times it's him poaching for a breakaway or creating like a turnover in the defensive zone and countering. And uh, like eventually a lot of these players break out, but a big thing too is just generating controlled entries in general, because it's a, like it's a skill that you can't necessarily get great at. You can get better at it, but you if a player is kind of middling at it, he's going to stay kind of in that 40, 60% range. But if he starts out really good, there's a good chance he's going to stay really good and maybe get even better. Yeah. I love that. Cause yeah, you've, I've read, I've read that from some of your stuff before. So even like a rookie coming in who might not be getting or a young player coming in might not be getting that ice time, but it, but that's something that they have kind of right off the bat. Those are the players that you find are kind of succeeding later on. Is that right? Yeah. That's usually the players that break out. And it's usually, it's always, well, it's not always a high pick, but it's usually somebody that was taken pretty high. Like, uh, like Jack Hughes was the big one for a couple of years. Yeah. Like when he first came to the, when he first came to the league, like I think he only had like 30 points or maybe even less than that and only nine goals. But he was really good at entering yeah. the zone and he was really good at carrying the puck in, especially like especially when it wasn't like put on a tray for him to do it. Like he could kind of weave through traffic and create entries, like create entries and kind of just the doldrums of the game. Yep, but it wasn't leading to a lot of offense. And Nathan McKinnon was like that for years until he eventually exploded. Tim Stutzla is the latest breakout in that. Jordan Cairo was another one. Robert Thomas, another one too. And uh, Kaprizov when he well Kaprizov was different because he like he was great. Like he right was good to hop. go. Yeah, yeah. Back in but, the, yeah. It's interesting though because like Kaprizov was. Uh, Kaprizov was one of those guys who didn't have great on ice metrics, but he just scored a lot. And he was always like an elite player in zone entries. And uh, I think there, I, like there was always some discussion about that, especially like with the player, a player like Patrick Kane, who doesn't really drive play, but he always scores a lot and he always creates offense like this, which is very, very tough to defend just because you can game plan for him and he'll still kind of break you open. And he can also be the type of player that like takes a nap for 20 minutes of the game. And <laughs> the two minutes yeah. he does, the two minutes he's awake for, he'll score yeah. two goals, have two assists. So it's, uh, it's judging kind of that part of the game, but that's, it's a big impact because like goals still matter a lot, even, even with scoring up. And it's also kind of just what, it's what people still look at first. Like we have a lot more stats now. We have a lot more data now, but goals and points are still like the first thing people look at yeah. when they want to see, Oh, how is he, how is this guy doing this yeah. year? Like even I do that still like doing all these player profiles. Yeah. Like yeah. it's not like the NBA, but it's like a starting point, but then you kind of see like what's driving their success despite struggling in other parts of the game. Yeah, that's what's so valuable about this stuff is like I, I'm and those are the players that I'm interested in. It's like, yeah, who hasn't really popped yet offensively, but they're doing all the right things. Like, I mean, obviously in, in fantasy, I call them buy lows, right? I'm look I'm looking for these guys all season. Like, who are these buy lows? Yeah, all the metrics show like, yeah, this guy's doing all the right things, but he's just not converting, right? Right. Um, so yeah, no, I, I love that. That's super valuable information. Um, here at Apples and Genos, something um, the creator of Apples and Genos, Nate Groot Niblick, um, he's a writer for Yahoo as well, but he, he kind of values players, and I've sort of taken on the way he does it. Is we sort of use uh, rate stats, shots on goal per sixty at five on five, individual Corsi four per sixty, and then individual scoring chances four per sixty um, to try and predict performance, and that that works pretty well. And that that's kind of in line a little bit with what you're saying there, just in terms of shots and. Um, um, scoring chances for you know 
so it's it's kind of in line but i, I just like getting it that granular like the zone entries and, and exits that's that's a really interesting piece to me that's something I've, I've never really thought of um but yeah moving forward like into the interview here i want to talk about an article that you wrote at the beginning of august here um it was an article called the microstat player compass and um where you basically categorize players into four groups um, and I was wondering if you would mind just talking a little bit about that player compass, uh, that you, re uh, released and just transition play in general in the NHL and its importance. Yeah. So like, I think a misconception, a misconception people have with microstats is, is I'm judging if a player is good or bad. Like mm -hmm. if they're bad at zone entries, they're a bad player and they're carried by their line mates, or if they're creating zone entries that don't lead to a lot of offense, it means they're just creating empty calorie entries. But there's a lot more that goes into it. And I thought of looking at it from like a few different a few different angles. Cause there's elite players who are great at certain parts of the game and not so great at other parts of the game. But right. it kind of just it lets it gives you an idea how to like to build your lineup and kind of complement players with each other. Like uh so I thought about breaking them down into four categories. And what I did was I looked at overall rush offense and overall so Oh, I, I should probably talk about the game score first. But like the what I did first was uh, a few years ago, I, I created like a game score metric based off a of Dom Lucician's model, except I kind of used my own stats with it. So I broke it down into zone entry game score, which is looking at all the things we talked about, controlled entries, scoring chances off entries and rush offense. And then I subtracted like failed entries just to see like, because like turnovers are still a, are still like a bit problem. Right. And then I compared that with overall offense, which looks at scoring chances, shots, passes, and uh, just everything relating to offensive zone play. And uh, so then I kind of looked at, then I kind of saw that there were players kind of drifting into different quadrants there. Like in the zone entries category, there's obviously the elites of the league, your McDavid's, your McKinnon's, your. Uh, <clears throat> Like they have McDavid's and McKenns, the Kucherovs, they're all in that quadrant up there, just like the best of the best, the Jack Hughes's. Yep. And then like a little layer under, like a little bit underneath them are players like Nick Ehlers and Matt Barzell, who like some people would call them stars. Like I consider them star players, but some people don't. And like I get it because like Nick Ehlers is a, Nick Ehlers is a great player, one of the great, he's probably the best play driver on the Jets, but he never scores as much as Mark Shifley. He never scores as much as, much as Kyle Connor, and he doesn't play as much as those guys either. So, like, there's some disconnect there. And Matt Barzal is a player who, like, by the eye test and everything, looks like a star player. And by microstats, he's, like, he's a guy that I think should be one of the best players in the league, but he never produces, like, one of the best players in the league. And right. there's a lot of, like, nuance there that i can get into but i don't want to be here for like three hours <laughs> but i consider those guys microstat stars and then in the other quadrant you have guys that are elite at producing offense but don't really handle the puck much especially in the neutral zone that's where like jason robertson matthew kachuk patrice bergeron a lot of those players kind of reside there and uh then you have players that are more that are more of like uh, entry exit specialists, whereas like they don't play in the top lines. They don't produce as much as Ehlers or Barzal. They're not considered star players, but they're elite at kind of at transition play. That's where like Burakovsky, Jacob Vrana, those guys, that's where they are. And then there's others who just do not have good micro stats at all, like through what I track, except for maybe like four checking or maybe offense and scoring chances. That's where like, mm -hmm. or they have great on ice defensive metrics. That's where Joel Erickson Eck would be. And he's a guy that's really popped off as one of the best like defensive players in the league, going by a lot of on ice metrics, a lot of public models. But my my stats, he doesn't really do much with the puck. So there's always some kind of disconnect there. There's always things that I want to see where I'm missing, where like where I can be better. Or if it's just kind of one of those things where like I that I can't really explain or I can't really track like Josh yeah. Norris was another guy like that. And uh, that might be something I might be undervaluing how good of goals, how good of a goal scorer he is, how good he might be away from the puck, how good they are at four checking, taking away space in the defensive zone, that kind of thing. But that's also like me kind of having to 
except that you, I can't track everything. I can't capture everything, but there, there is kind of like, uh, you do kind of like build like a baseline of what to expect out of these players though. Cause like a guy, like guys like Robertson and guys like Robertson Kachuk and, uh, and Bergeron they're a lot harder to find especially coming out of like the first especially like in their rookie seasons guys like that do not happen that much at all whereas a player like Kapanen or well not Kapanen um Brana or Philip Hedl or like Andre Burakovsky those guys are a lot more common to find like in rookie seasons and you can get a decent you get a decent floor out of those players like you could probably expect them to get at least 40 points maybe 20 goals a year and you can expect something great for them if they get ice time, but it doesn't always happen. Right. And I love this stuff. I first, I just love the, the differences between them. Like they're so distinct and um, yeah, that, that top left quadrant, which is like the half rank stars that you have. That's, that's the really intriguing one to me, kind of to your point, like they're not common. Right. So um, you know, we got some elite offensive players in there, but I had never really considered why, you know, um, can you talk specifically about players like um, Jason Robertson and Brady Kachuk and sort of what makes them unique in their success? And then also second part to that, do they need a line mate that excels on the rush to be successful? If, if you know what I mean, like, or is it, can they do that on their own? I think they need, I don't know if they need like an elite player off the rush, but they need somebody that can kind of do that for them. Like Robertson has Rope hints and Rope hints like really, He's a guy that really kind of exploded in like year three, I think. Yep. Maybe it was year two. The pandemic kind of makes it all wash together. But rush offense is something he is always good at. And he was good at it on a team that suppresses rush offense. And with Robertson, he kind of had to work his way up in the lineup. And what he was really good at was creating within just the doldrums of the four, the doldrums of the game. Because Dallas under bonus played a huge, a major like forechecking style offense very much a slog fest but he was very quick at kind of deciding where he was going to go with the puck like he always like he pretty much knew where he was going to go with the puck before he even touched it and that and thus like he kind of created quick chaos type of plays within a very rigid system and he i mean he was kind of built for that though because like robertson is not a good I don't want to say he's a bad skater, but he's not fast. Yeah. He's just very like, he kind of just plods along. He doesn't really take a lot of strides, but he's just kind of one step ahead of where the play is going. Like there is this one goal I remember distinctly from last year where it was an overtime against Calgary and it looked like a slow motion rush. He kind of just like went <laughs> to his backhand glided around this defenseman and then scored on a, and then went forehand and scored. I was just like, I cannot believe this is an NHL game and that happened, especially yeah, how fast yeah. the game is now. But <laughs> he's just very, I don't know, he kind of adapted to like the skills that he wasn't good at to become an elite player in other areas, like with passing and just kind of making passes quickly, getting open especially is his big thing. And shooting is the other thing. He's just very kind of, he's a unit. I, I wouldn't say he's a unicorn, but he's just incredibly skilled at kind of, picking a corner getting enough space to pick a corner so he that was interesting he was kind of an interesting development because like not a lot of junior players really figured that out as quickly as he did and uh like with kachuk kachuk was just a four check monster from the get-go and he's a bigger he was a big kid coming out of college too and i think he just kind of adapted to just the rougher part of the game quicker getting to the net especially that always that's going to get you a lot of goals regardless and he hasn't really I, he hasn't really broken down there either although he, he did have a couple injuries didn't he yeah no he was injured at the be, uh, beginning of one of the seasons and he's held out for his contract as well and yeah, yeah. i think he's he's had some injuries here and there. at least with brady yeah with brady Kachuk. with matthew matthew was matthew is kind of the same way but he was very good in the the defensive zone out when he when he was in calgary like he was very good at like helping the flames like exit the zone he dumped the puck in a lot that year and then he kind of slowly added that part he added more skill to his game but he could excel kind of in like the the spaces of the game where he didn't the the parts of the game where he didn't have a lot of space to work with he just excelled with that before anything 
And I think that's just kind of made him like the elite player he is now. Whereas like, I, I think a lot of kids coming out of junior might be used to being the best player on their line or the best player on their team. And they're used to having their puck on the, the puck on their stick all the time. And just weaving around in the neutral zone forever and kind of creating up the rush. And once that doesn't happen as easily, it's tougher for them to adapt. So for these other players, maybe it's like harder. Maybe it's easier for them to adapt because they were never reliant on that skill set from the get go. Yeah, that makes total sense. Like if, you know, if you're not a great skater, like you're going to get better at the other parts of your game. Right. And yeah. it's kind of like a, a, a backwards way of going about it. Like you said, like all these guys that are elite coming into the league, they're the best player on their team by far because they're just dipsy dueling around everybody. Whereas yeah, other players that, that might not be a strength, they, they have to develop it in a different way. Um, yeah. And, and with Kachuk too, I think Kachuk played with Marner and junior and like, so I guess he's probably used to deferring to him and like, he was used to kind of Marner being the puck carrier and he would focus more on kind of the details. So maybe that's like the reason why he could fit into the NHL better and kind of a kind of learn like in more of a backwards way. Yeah. That's such an interesting piece too. just like how much the line mate affects. And like when, when we get these special lines in the NHL, like, yeah, why are they special? You know, why is Bergeron Marshawn like special? Like is, Marshawn, the puck carrier there, right? Like, yep. and Bergeron's this other kind of half frank star, right? Um, I love that. I, I haven't really thought of things that way. So that's something I really liked about the article there. Um, so definitely, I want to link that in uh, the description here in the in the episode, because I think that's a really, that this is an important article that I think should get out there. So good job to you, my man. Thank you. Love that. Um, all right. I uh, just want to switch gears here a little bit. So I know something you track as well on your site is you do um, team pages and systems to some degree. And I wanted to just ask, how much do you think team systems affect individual player stats? Um, like, for instance, like if a player goes to a new team, do micro stats kind of hold uh, or can there be big swings in play style? What, what, what are your thoughts on that sort of team systems? Yeah, it's very uh, it's very case by case sometimes because like a lot of stats carry over to the next team. A player that's good at zone entries is going to stay good at zone entries on his new team. He just might not get as many opportunities per game if he goes to a team that likes to dump the puck in more or if he goes to a bad team that kind of just suppresses offense in general. But if he's still good, the overall like profile of them stays the same, though. Like what I do is like with my player cards sometimes like if a guy goes to a bad team you'll see him like have you'll see him kind of have like outstanding stats with a good team and not so good once 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 he switches teams but like the profile stays the same like he's still good at passing still good at entries still good at controlled exits where they change a lot is if it's like on an extreme end like the hurricanes especially are one of those teams because they do not really push for controlled exits at all they clear the puck out of the zone a lot. They dump the puck in all the time. But you also have guys like Aho and Natchez who are encouraged to carry the puck in. They're allowed to. But the defensemen, mostly on like the middle of the roster types of players, are going to be clearing the puck out of the zone more. With Bur- They added Brent Burns last year. He was a guy that kind of stayed the same. But you also saw like his stats kind of get better from going to like from going from the Sharks to the Hurricanes because with the Sharks in his last year there, he was only creating rush offense. And he's like one of the most notorious kind of uh, shot volume players in the league that just takes a bunch of shots from the point regardless. And he got back to that this year going to the Hurricanes, a team that spends more time in the offensive zone. And and it's uh, an extreme example I'm interested to see this year is John Klingberg because he played all of last year with the Ducks. And he was, by the metrics I track, one of the worst players on zone exits in the league. Hmm. Still good at contr- still good at generating controlled exits. Terrible at avoiding turnovers. Terrible at retrieving the puck. He got knocked off the puck a lot. Very bad at defending entries, too. But, like, that's also in Anaheim. He's going to Toronto yeah. now, who are probably going to be a better team despite all the commotion that goes on there. But I'm interested to see if they can kind of, like, keep him protected in a way because like the hurricanes they did that a little with shane goss despair when they got him because goss despair even on the coyotes very good puck mover very good and entering the zone very good at setting up shots zone entry defense terrible but the hurricanes 
he didn't have to defend a lot of entries because kind of the play was in front of him the entire time and they would either get him off the ice or the other team would have to change by the time he got back on. So that's a way you can kind of control. You can, you can control some of these micro stats in some areas, most notably entry defense, but sometimes a player's tendencies are what they are. Like if they're aggressive, they're still going to try to deny entries. They're still going to try to stand up at the blue line a lot. Other times you can kind of like, you can kind of like uh, mold them to kind of the, to what you want, but it's mostly the middle of the roster players that you see that with. And like a lot of the middle of the pack teams, but like the teams and the outliers, that's when you start to see a change. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I like what you said just to kind of about sheltered there, like the coach is kind of controlling it a little bit, right? Like, yeah, you know, uh, and then it made me think of Tony D'Angelo, the that legend going back to her, uh, the Hurricanes there. Oh, with the pretty boy, Tony. Yeah. Hey. Right. Okay. Hey, Tony. Yeah. Hey. That's hey. nice. Um, is he kind of in that that boat as well? Like a player that, you know, was probably, you know, I haven't looked at his player card for last season, but I'm assuming it was probably stinky um you know in a lot of ways but you know now he's going back to the hurricanes which have a very you know uh well thought out system and is that something like he's had success there as well like what, what do you think about tony d'angelo in carolina this upcoming season yeah with d'angelo he started when they got him first they put him on the third pair and protected him like as much as they really could because like he had just he didn't he didn't play all last season either because he got kicked off the team. Ding and, dong. But uh, they had they actually had Ethan Bear on that top pair with Jacob Slavin. Then Ethan Bear got COVID, and they put D'Angelo on the top pair as the complement to Slavin. They had it was an interesting way of how they kind of did it because, like, as far as the defensive zone goes, Slavin was the one retrieving a lot of the pucks, and D'Angelo kind of just stayed in front of the net. So. His player card with the Hurricanes, do you look at zone exits? He did not contribute to zone exits really at all. He was redlined in the entire time. And the reason why is because either they were clearing the puck a lot, they kind of protected him from having to handle the puck as much just because he's smaller, he gets knocked off the puck easily. And uh, they tried to play to his strengths as much as possible, but he was also playing on the top pair, which... I don't really know if they're going to do that this year because yeah. you look at that defense depth chart, you got Brent Burns, you got Brent Pesci, Dimitri yeah. Orlov is there Silly. now too. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's going to get the same minutes. And with the Flyers, the Flyers, they had him in a top four role, totally unprotected. And he did, he did okay in some areas. Like he was still the offensive defenseman that they probably wanted, but he was not good at defending entries, very bad at allowing care very bad allowing carry-ins to a lot of turnovers, a pretty good at generating exits, but not really like as not really like an elite player, somebody you have to protect and yeah. like he's <laughs> making 5 million. So I don't know. I I'm interested to see how it goes. Cause they can protect him. I just don't know if they, I just don't know if they're going to go back to the old formula with putting yeah. him back with Jacob Slavin. So yeah, I can't see it, that either. I mean, they brought him back for a reason, but I think the reason's probably different this time, more of like a supplemental offensive piece. Again, probably sheltered, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, can, I can see how they're going to do that. Yeah, it was it was also like it was easy for him most of the time in Carolina too. Like he didn't have any problems all year. The team was winning most of the season and then playoffs happened. He had a couple tough games and he was getting into fights after the whistle and just acting like an idiot. So I don't know how it's going to go once things go off kilter just a little bit is he gonna still like is he still gonna be like i, I wouldn't say a, i wouldn't say a problem but just kind I, of i'm, in, I'm know, interested in the player a little bit drawing yeah. attention to himself yeah i think going to philadelphia and kind of you know playing for torts there like that's not that's not awesome you know what i mean so maybe you got a little perspective like going back to a, a well-run team a well-coached team like the the hurricanes you know that maybe there's some gratefulness kind of coming back in like he, he, i'm just happy to be here i think that you know that's i'm hoping that that's sort of where where his attitude goes because yeah it's just it's dangerous and we know this <laughs> yeah it's like i don't know like he draws out a lot of annoying people like in the woodwork of the fan base too so yep, it's just sure. not really one part i'm excited to deal with this year but i won't be on 
I'm not going to be on the line as much. So you, you got to like the hurricanes this year though. Dang. What a, they're almost a wagon. Like, and talk about it. We were saying unicorn earlier. Like I think the hurricanes are a bit of a unicorn team, like with their, you know, their Corsi against their Corsi for like their tops in, in pretty much everything. And then, um, you know, efficiency can be a little bit better, but I, yeah. I, I don't know. You got to be excited about the hurricanes this year. Yeah. I think they, uh, I think they did well for the most part. I'm kind of interested with what they did on defense, especially because what did them in the playoffs was goal scoring and yep. they gave Dmitry Orlov the highest paid contract for a defenseman. But I kind of get it. Orlov, that's what we call him now. All right, a Dimitri couple of years Orlov. down the line, I kind of see where they're going with it though, because Pesci's in a contract year. Shea, I think is in a contract year too. Uh, I, don't think yeah, Slavin's also coming up in a contract year, but he's going to get extended. Burns' contract's also up. So I kind of see what they're going for two years down the line. I think that's why they were interested in Carlson, too, and mm-hmm. ultimately didn't get him. I was well, I was kind of hoping they would get Tarasenko just because I yeah. thought that would be really interesting to see how that would work in action, but it didn't, didn't work out. But Michael Bunting is a nice player to add. He fits into what they already do. So integrating him into the system is going to be pretty easy. It's just a matter of how much I don't know if you're going to get a high level of offense out of him. Yeah. And also like if Andre Sveshnikov is healthy and has the breakout season that I've been like predicting for him to have for a couple of years running, I, if that happens, I think that's going to be the game changer because like in the playoffs, they didn't have Pacioretty and they didn't have Sveshnikov and they had Tavo Teravine and playing with a broken hand too. So yeah, rough season for uh, Tara Vinen too. I had him in a lot of spots in my fantasy leagues, and he was pissing me off because I had him the year before, and he was crushing. But uh, the Carolina yeah. power play kind of, you know, went went into the toilet last season. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But anyways, talking too much about Carolina, but I, I do like that team. It, it's a hard, it's a difficult team for fantasy because Rod Brindamore's deployment it's it's not awesome. He's just yeah, he's putting the lines in a blender. He's he's splitting them up i hate that like you get these guys out there like matthews you know i want to see 21 minutes a game all right that's yeah. i do like aho for that but anyways we digressed um just another quick question on team systems should we be viewing players numbers like their output relative to their team average to determine how good they are or do players kind of drive the system more so like themselves yeah in the extreme cases yeah i would say start looking at team averages more like with uh carolina and zone exits especially because they do mm-hmm. like i said earlier they don't push for zone exits and every couple of years there's like a team that really jumps off the page for me well every year i should say because a few years it was colorado last year it was or two years ago it was florida last year it was buffalo like there's always a team or two that's just really pushing for rush off- offense the devils were like that a couple of years too Yep, and uh that's when I start looking at like how are they doing relative to the system, and can you parse out if the, they're just kind of are they riding the wave or are they like contributing? Is what I try to figure out. And there's always a couple of guys that you kind of see that with, like with Buffalo. Dylan Cousins really broke out last year, and he was a guy that was doing that when the team was bad. And uh, the other then there's other players who kind of just hopped along for the ride, like a Victor Olafson or Tyson Jost. Who's like good they yeah middle stat is interesting though because he was like he's had a few broken seasons and like in his rookie year he was really good at controlled entries and then two years kind of wasting away doing nothing and then last year he just exploded in the second half so he's kind of the one that i'm like okay what's going on here with but there's always a couple players it's the middle of the roster guys you really have to like pay attention to and look out for but like if there's a guy that succeeded before the team popped off, that's when you start. That's when you like, you know, this guy is legit. Like uh, Jesper Brad for the Devils is definitely one of them because he was doing this before the team really popped off. And then last year, last two years, the points just started to rain down for him. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. Um, that makes total sense. Um, because this is a fantasy pod, I couldn't live with myself if I didn't ask you. Corey, to identify maybe a couple players that we should look into next season, players that you may be predicting for a bit of a breakout, um, you know, maybe or just your high on due to the microstat tracking uh, that haven't popped yet offensively. What do you got? Give me some sleepers. Yeah, help help our help our listeners out, my man. Well, last year, one of the guys that I was very interested in was Tommy Novak in Nashville because he had very good passing stats and a decent sample in 2021. 
Then he started the year in Milwaukee. He got called up and almost a point per game player when he got called up. Yeah. He was interesting because like he was a guy that had very good passing stats, but he never shot the puck. And I think he had 20 goals last year. So sometimes they can even surprise me this year. um, One guy that I'm very interested in is Kent Johnson in Columbus because he fits that profile. What I was talking about earlier, not a lot of offense from him, not a lot of shots, but very good at entries and very good at quick strike offense. It might depend on who ends up playing like center in Columbus too, but I think he's going to have a really nice, he's going to have a really nice season. And this one's a little off the board pick. It's uh, Luke Evangelista in Nashville. Oh, you're loving the Nashville Predators this year. Well, they have a lot of open roster spots. Is the yeah, thing. Yeah, they have absolutely. a lot of spots in that top six, and that's kind of where I found the most value in fantasy. It's those teams that have the open roster spots. Yep. And yeah. he is absolutely he he only played like twenty something games, but very good passer, very good at kind of creating with not so great line mates. I don't know if it's smoke and mirrors or not yet, but there's a lot of guys who came through that Nashville system and just were chewed up and spit out. But he looked like somebody who could be who could be potentially very good. Um, trying to think of some other ones that I have that are like not obvious picks. Cause like the problem with the, the problem I always have with fantasy hockey is like, I look at a list and I see a guy like Carter Berhage is like listed at 100. I'm like, Oh, he should be a lot higher than that. Like and he scored yeah. 40 goals last year. And I think that's yeah. a consistent guy in fantasy hockey too, just cause he shoots the puck so much and he's a very good goal scorer too. So I think, I th- definitely definitely think he should go higher than like uh, yeah, in the draft. he's going higher in fan tracks. I've seen his ADP kind of up in like 60 in the 60 range. Um, but yeah, Verhege, uh, like I, I absolutely agree with you there. I had him, I picked him like 150th last year and yeah, he got 40 goals. It was insane. Um, actually a player I'm just thinking of right now that kind of through your models that I've seen and it's a guy I've thought about uh, historically as well, uh, Michael Isomont. What do you think about him in Tampa Bay? Because he's a guy that kind of shows out in some of these micro stats, but like no deployment whatsoever. It looks like he might get, he's going to get third line, maybe second line in Tampa. I don't know. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, he's a guy that I like. I just don't know if I like him for fantasy hockey, just because of where he might play. Like, I don't know. Would you say like Brandon Hagel is a good player for fantasy hockey? um he was a surprise at based based on the underlying metrics i'm not really very high on hagel but as far as opportunity goes like i don't know he i don't see who's gonna bump him out of the top six so he's in the top right. six in Tampa. well he's that's gonna- the thing though because i think i think with ec mod you're gonna get like the top you'll get with him is like brandon hagel level production or like anthony sorelli or somebody like that that's a very good player but maybe not the best for fantasy hockey and he was interesting, though, because he had a really good stint with the uh, Sharks. Right. And kind of just because they had nobody else to play and they put him on the top line. And I think he could fit in really well with Tampa. I'm just not entirely sure if he's going to get enough minutes. And Tampa's filled with a lot of guys like that who I think are, I think turn into pretty good players. I just don't know if they're the best fantasy hockey players because, like, tops you'll get, tops you're going to get, like, maybe a 60-point season and you'll probably get more, like, 37 40 something like a connor sherry or somebody like that but sherry's another guy who like my metrics have always been high on just because of how good of a passer he is he's just unless he's with Sidney crosby he's always stuck on the third line so it's like a waiver claim you pick up when it's a waiver claim or like an injury replacement you'll get but a couple other guys that i think might be pretty good one of them is jake debrusque all right i think he's gonna there's a lot of opportunity for him in Boston. Yeah. Yeah. It really just depends on how much like that's losing that center death is going to kill like his, how productive he was or just how good he was, especially off the rush. Cause he's kind of in that he's in that mold where very good rush offense, not great overall offense, decent chance production. So he could really go one way or the other. And Philip Heedle's also like that. He created, he's like, he was the Rangers like really only puck carrier in their bottom six. And he kind of, he's always been a guy that kind of excelled and stayed with like a decent floor, despite how bad, like their, despite how bad, like their prospects kind of development was. He, he always been pretty good. And I think they're ready to make him more of like, uh, I think they're ready to make him more of like a key player on the team this year. And he can really pop off. 
And this is also, I mean, I'm saying this like with full disclosure that this is like year four of me saying this. Yeah. But I think there is, he will have more opportunity that year or this year than years before. It really just depends on how much lab he gets out of them there. Yeah, let's go. I, I, I'm i a big believer I'm in some of those Ranger prospects, not overall, but this upcoming season, right? So right. Lafreniere, Kako, and Hedl, I want to see, yeah, obviously they need some opportunity. They, they need some, yeah, they just need a bit more opportunity, but I think those are players that are percolating that should kind of, like for fantasy, Hedl's someone I'm, I've always been interested in just due to his kind of shots on goal metrics. And he, he just kind of looks good on the metrics that we look at here. Um, but again, yeah, deployment's an issue. But these are all these guys you're mentioning. I love this because even if like in terms of fantasy, like maybe not season long type guys, but if we look at our year and what I try and do is I break it up into kind of even weeks or months or whatever, like you're, you're constantly reassessing your team. If any of these guys get opportunity, bang. Like we're looking at, you know, some potential, right? Like, like what if they did put uh, Michael Isamont on the power play? What if he go, what if for some reason he got on, you know, power play one for like a couple games, you know, and like popped off. Like the, the I think those things are, are within the, the range of possibilities. Right. You know, right. It's, and it's a bit of a hot take, but yeah. And also just like, I always look for kind of players that are going to get opportunities either because their team is bad or there's an open spot on a top line on a good team. Right. This year, I feel like there's not as much of those, but it kind of depends on how good Boston's Boston stays. Cause like they still have Marshawn, they still have Pasternak, but who's going to be the other guy, the other guy on that line. And who's going to, is like their second line going to go back to being the black hole that it was before Krejci returned. But also like you look in San Jose, Anthony Duclair, yeah, I was just going to say Anthony Duclair. Yeah, but. yeah, he has every opportunity to have like yeah. a huge season there. But he, the thing with Anthony Duclair is always ice time. Yep. Because like he's been healthy. He's scored 30 goals in Florida. He's been healthy scratched. And it could go really either way with him. And those are sometimes the most frustrating players in fantasy hockey. And like you also have a guy like Yegor Sharangovich, who I think might get a good opportunity in Calgary. And that's a former 20 goal scorer for the Devils and a guy with who I think had a decent, I think has very good like goal scoring instincts, very good shot. I just don't know if he, it really depends how much last year was a fluke and the previous years were just playing with Jack Hughes. And yeah. I think he could, he could go either way too. I just don't know if it's like worth spending a draft pick on unless you're in a super deep league. Yeah, late round flyer type stuff and waiver wire pickups. Yeah, definitely Sharon Govich is on my radar as well. I think Calgary in general, like it, I think they were it, it kind of in the basement last season with Daryl Sutter there and, you know, what was going on. But when you got elite players like, you know, Huberto to me is still an elite player, like you're an elite passer at the very yeah. least, right? And he had such a yeah. garbage season. Like he's going to be so much better. Yeah, that's one of the Huberto is one of the things where it's like a lot of nuance probably needs to be dived into there because. Yeah. Like what he did, what he did in Florida was obviously not repeatable. Like he's not a hundred twenty three point player, but he's still like one of the better passers yeah. in the league. Not he's a fifty five point player. No. Yeah, like, but I remember like posting some general things about him, and like Calgary fans kind of just like explained like what exactly was going on. Like he got moved to right wing a few times. He never had consistent line mates. He's not a right winger. And, like, like one he wasn't even consistent on. So weird. Yeah. So then, like, I started looking into that's when I started looking into more footage, just like what's going on, like, with him. And yeah, I can kind of see where things were difficult for him. The game was very slow for him. He had to, like, wait a lot to make any plays. Mm -hmm. And he had good chemistry with Kadri that was broken up. He never got to play with Elias Lindholm, who was their best shooter. So there was a lot of just like inst instances of him not being on the same page. And I actually wrote an article kind of and touched on this. With weeks ago just on the topic of high danger passing like what is it like what makes somebody an elite playmaker and it basically it comes down to guys who can create create passes that are high percentage and very hard to kind of very hard to create like at five on five and cooper has always been one of the players who can do that he still could last year just not at the level that he did in florida and the rest of his game just fell off so it's like what made him special is still there, just kind of getting him back to playing the normal five on five game at somewhat of a decent level. And we'll see if that's coaching or we'll see if like, that's just a guy hitting a wall at 30. 
Yeah, I, I, I have um, a lot of confidence in Huberto that he's going to bounce back. I think he's going to be a point per game player, you know, probably moving forward with Calgary, at least for the next couple of years. But, you know, just even hearing him talk in interviews, like he was talking about his confidence was shot, right? Um, so, I, you know, that's something that we can't track, right? It's a variable, like yeah. what was going on, all those things you mentioned, right? So, um, but I'm, I'm low-key interested in Calgary this season because of how bad they were last season um, but they were still generating a ton of shots um, they just were terrible with their conversion and yeah for whatever that's, reason yeah like that's something that i that's something i looked at like the team player cards like they're good at generating shots but they were like around or below league average and scoring chances and they were not good at controlled entries either despite having players who are good at controlled entries they were bad in general because they reverted to their defensemen and are just slamming the puck in the entire time yeah. So if they're, I mean, if the new coach kind of fixes this, there's definitely a good, de- there's decent like level up potential with everybody on that roster. It's it's only up from here, for God's sake! Like get yeah. Daryl Sutter the hell out of my sight. All right, I think Calgary's going to be much better. Yeah. But uh, buddy, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time uh, having you here. This is just such a valuable discussion to me, and something that that you know fantasy hockey managers can definitely use, and just. Hockey fans in general should, should be looking at, like, if you're interested in the game, this is this is premium stuff right here. Um, while I got you, buddy, what are you listening to currently? All right. I saw you, you tweeted Spirit Box out, and then I was like, okay, I think we're on the same page. Uh, you know, Spirit Box, actually, uh, the old bass player is a, a friend of mine. So I'm going to shout that out, name drop that man. Uh, he's not with him anymore, but uh, what, what do you got? What do you listen to? I'm still listening to that Spirit Box album yeah, a lot. From it's so good. I, was, I was like a year late on that too, so it was kind of newish for me last year. Yep. But uh, this year, uh, this year I've been listening to a lot of the new Trophy Eyes album. Okay. They're a, they're like a, uh, they used to be a pop punk band from Australia. They're kind of dif- drifted into more rock now, but they have really good lyrics. That's why I've always kind of gone back to them. I've been kind of going old schools for as far as what yeah. I've been listening to lately, like. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of like bleeding through just okay. Oh, there you go. Yeah. (laughs) Buddy, do you listen to, uh, you know what I've been listening to a ton of lately is cave in. You ever listened to cave in? Yeah. I, yeah. I love that band. Like I, I really love pitch, uh, pitch perfect block i can never remember what that album is called but like it has trepanning on it and a bunch yeah trepanning ridiculous yeah. and their new album is insane too there's a song called blood spiller oh my god that's my workout track man i gotta i just put it on repeat no problem yeah i gotta listen to that to that record more like uh with caven i always kind of go back to jupiter and sometimes i go to that one they put out while i was in college i think it was called white silence like right. i listen to that i usually put that on a lot when i'm writing just because it's very good like vibe background music you get some singing as well i like the singing and then you get the beefer in there kind of just raging out of control but yeah yeah yeah, it's sad one of their i know caleb passed away yeah i think that was during covid too right yeah yeah well they're still they're still crushing all right yeah one one last band i gotta mention mashuga you listen to these guys yeah that's a band i tried to get into and like i can only do like a few songs i just cannot sit through a a whole record of theirs for whatever reason well, I thought you might like it because it's so mathematical. It's like, uh, oh man, you, you, you're literally doing equations while you're listening to the song, being like, okay, what's what's happening here? Like, there's, there's one song I like used to always listen to by them, but it had like what I called an it had like what I call an alarm clock riff on it. Like it's not like the riff sounds like an alarm clock, so I always kind of went back to it. Okay, I, I can't remember like, what it's called. Eh, it's eh, eh. like a yeah. Seek and Destroy or something like that. I think it's something like that. It's on their, it's on like a really early record of theirs. Yeah, I know, I know the exact song. I can't remember the name, but uh, yeah, I got you. Yeah. Once I turned 30, I just forgot every song name like that I Wait. used to memorize. Get ready for Blippy. All right. Baby Shark, Paw Patrol. All right. This is, this is your wheelhouse now, my man. All right. I'm sorry to say, but you're going to get to like those songs. All right. Unfortunately, yeah, I'm interested to see what like our kid listens to or what we end up playing around the house because i i assume like i listen i I feel like i've been listening to a lot of heavier stuff like when i'm on walks or at the gym lately just because i feel like this is the only time i'm going to be listening to this yeah yeah absolutely in the open from for the next few years or so but we'll see it might it might depend on like what's it'll depend on like what our kid gravitates to but we got a few years for that (laughs) 
Well, I'll tell you what, your Spotify uh, year-end review is going to be decimated, all right? It's bad. You know, all those great, you know, like at Spotify, I don't know if you have Spotify, but at the end of yeah. the year, they give you like, hey, here's your year-end review. Yeah, it's all mine is just now frozen. That's it. Just frozen songs, uh, blippy. Oh, my God. It's we actually too perfect. So there you go. I don't know. Yeah, we have made a playlist like for songs that we can play like around the house that are just chill or songs that like the baby's reacted to so far. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a lot of, so far it's just a lot of like vibe music, like the white Lotus theme or something like that. Nice. There you go. Yeah. Stuff like that. It's a lot of like, that's kind of the stuff I've been like trying to find as far as like playing music in the house. But it's, but yeah, I was thinking maybe we just won't have music, but we're pretty insistent on our baby sleeping through noise, just so, just so like she does when she's older. But I think we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. It's a blast, man. Congratulations. It's going to be awesome. Uh, happy times for you and your family. Um, buddy, you. before I let you go, and again, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate that. I just want to um, give you just an open forum here just to kind of plug sort of what's going on with you, where we can find you on the socials and whatnot, and, and what you got going on uh, coming up here. Well, my hub for everything is all3zones.com. That's where you can find like my Patreon. I'm going to, I'm setting up like a payment thing on this site too. So you don't have to go through Patreon. So hopefully that's coming pretty soon. That's, but that's where you can find all my stuff. My link to my socials is there too. My Substack is all3zones.substack.com. That's where you'll find a lot of my writing. I'm going to be writing a uh, player compass on defenseman pretty soon depends on how much free time i got over the next few weeks right but i'm also on twitter at shutdown line and uh i don't post a lot on twitter or x a lot anymore except for just like player cards when news happens and uh i'm also on blue sky at all three zones if you want to follow me there too for just a lot more fun talk so yeah i'm a i'm a lot of places but all three zones.com is just the general hub for everything as far as like my hockey work is concerned oh yeah and also the mckean's yearbook is going to be coming out over the next few weeks and i i have player profiles on on eight teams i believe it was a lot so you can catch my writing there if you want to buddy you're an absolute legend. Analytics legend here, Corey Schneider. Thank you so much for your time, man. I really appreciate that. I'm a patron myself. So um, I appreciate I'm gonna, that. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's that's money well spent. No question. So thanks so much. Really appreciate having you here, Corey. And uh, um, everybody, we are going to have some more episodes coming up here. I've got some uh, average draft position battles coming up with a bunch of other guests here. So really appreciate you sticking it out with us. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Celebrate your day. Bye for now. A rational explanation is hardly necessary.